0: Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in danger territory! Kittle
1: is gonna go! Touchdown! Bosa got him with a second back inside the 30 yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13 yard line.
2: What's going on, everybody? I'm gonna be as cool as Kyle Shanahan not to, and not, not all relax and have a beer.
1: Not to be that guy, but what's going on, everybody? They can't, they can't answer you. Well, I guess you okay. can chat. You can hit the chat. All right.
2: Keep, keep in mind, I'm a print journalist.
1: <laughs> Do you, would you start an article? Would that be your lead? What's going on, everybody? <laughs> what's up, guys? Justin Fields', <laughs> <laughs> Field's Protect. <day. laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got you got the you uh, should try that and see how long it takes an editor to be like, yo, why are you doing this?
2: Yeah. Way, way to grab the audience's attention with that one. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like I said, I'm going to I'm going to pretend I'm I'm cool and relaxed like Kyle Shanahan. And instead of holding a coffee, I'm going to drink a beer while we, while we do this one.
1: I'm basically doing the same thing, only I'm eating a delicious meal from Trifecta. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I've got some uh, lemon spice, lemon herb salmon, and uh, some cauliflower and some sweet potatoes. Nicely done. I don't like fish that much, but this is delicious. So, if you don't like
2: fish, and this is just advice, I'm sure a lot of people like fish. But if you don't like fish, like salmon is the good starter fish. I disagree. It's the gateway fish. I disagree. Really, like a like a like go to a good restaurant and have a salmon at like a really good place and you're probably going to like it.
1: Yeah, I mean may, maybe um chicken uh I'm sorry, not chicken. <laughs> Fit, like fish sticks is a good starter fish. There's usually cod. I'm talking about like actual food though. <laughs> no, I know. Um <laughs> I actually because I I don't like I said, I'm not a big fish guy, but um swordfish is actually really good. It's super yeah. easy to cook, and it's a super, like, meaty fish, and it doesn't have a ton of fish flavor. That's true. So that's true. I think it's a Jim um, Gaffigan joke. Yeah, so... I like fish as long as it doesn't taste like fish. Okay, let's talk about football, because... Uh, yeah, I have, a, a, I, drafting Justin Fields.
2: I have an important question for you. Which which video frame was it from Justin Fields' Pro Day yesterday that had you convinced the 49ers were drafting him?
1: Did you see the one of Kyle Shanahan smiling? <laughs> Because let me tell you, he had a giant smile on his face, which, I mean, could it have been something somebody he was standing next to said? Maybe. Could it have been something that happened elsewhere on the field? Maybe. But based on the carefully curated videos and still frames from the Ohio State football account on Twitter and Instagram... I have determined that Kyle Shanahan had a great time at Justin Fields' pro day. Nigh a better time than he had at Mac Jones' pro day.
2: <laughs> it's so funny, right? Because, like, you could see this coming from a mile away, and I think I said it earlier in the podcast. It was like, all right, Justin Fields is going to have this pro day, and then everybody's going to think the Niners are drafting Justin Fields, oh, and depending what, yeah, depending what the visual is, on Monday, there's probably going to be some picture of him yucking it up with Trey Lance, um, and as an Ohio State alum, like, I can confirm they uh, they know exactly what they're doing when it comes to the social media stuff. Like, they invest heavily in the social media and, like, video departments. Like, Ohio State's, like, hype videos.
1: They're really all good.
2: Games. They're really good. Like, and, you know, as a program, it it behooves you to put out NFL stars, right? So, like, Justin Fields' best shot at becoming an NFL star is probably – more likely to come with the 49ers than the Jets or, I mean, maybe the Falcons um, with Arthur Smith there. But like, I think all these prospects would ideally love to go to the 49ers because it is the best situation. So you can see like why a social media team and why a video team would sell it hard. Right. Right. And maybe, and, but, but, and it's funny now because after the pro day, Justin Fields is a betting favorite, which is, you know, I think sort of in line with what you and I have been saying this whole time, that the Mac Jones stuff just doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, maybe everybody in the NFL thinks it's going to be Mac Jones. That doesn't mean that that's what Kyle Shanahan is planning on doing. Um, So I think every, like, the narrative is just kind of catching up to what to what reality is. And it happened at the Pro Day yesterday, and it's probably going to happen on Monday. And then I think you're going to start hearing reports of, well, a lot of people thought it was Mac Jones, but you know, Justin Fields and Trey Lance are still, you know, way in this thing. And like, yeah, no kidding.
1: <laughs> right. Which has been the case the whole time.
2: Yeah, it's been the case the entire time. I'm of the belief these guys made their decision at the end of February. Um, once they decided that they were going to try to make this trade, they, they, found, they knew exactly what they wanted. I still think it's going to be Trey Lance. It wouldn't surprise me if it's Justin Fields. A lot of people get angry. When I say I think it's going to be Trey Lance, because oh, Justin Fields better. Like Justin Fields might be better right now, but I'm talking about like I'm trying to put myself in Kyle Shanahan's head. Sure. And and for me, having covered Kyle Shanahan, I put it this way: I said it to you and Nick in the group chat. There's an arrogance about Kyle Shanahan's coaching style, which I think is warranted because he's good at what he does.
1: That's I friend think, of the pod, Nick Wagner, by the way. Yeah, Nick Wagner, our,
2: our favorite cast member.
1: Um. So I think Kyle Shanahan,
2: their arrogance, there's arrogance in his coaching in a lot of ways. I think people are misplacing it when they say, oh, he just needs a quarterback to run his system, and the system's the most important thing. I think the arrogance in Kyle Shanahan's coaching style is, is says, I can take the biggest project and make him good, right? And to me, Trey Lance is that project. He's the the high upside guy who needs some time, but you get him in the right situation you don't force him to start right away, and then you're, you know, the ceiling of that situation potentially might be higher. And from a team building perspective, it gives you a chance to rebuild Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value. If Jimmy Garoppolo goes out and gets the 49ers to the playoffs, then maybe you get a first round pick for him, and then all of a sudden those three, those three firsts you invested in this quarterback, you're getting some of that back if you're able to to rehabilitate Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value. So
1: that would also, but ultimately. Not- no, go ahead. That would also explain why they were so hell bent on keeping Garoppolo this year for yeah. this offseason. or they were only going to trade him for you know a, a an abnormally large haul because they, they're going to draft a guy who who they don't think is ready to start right away.
2: Yeah, and so people and uh, somebody asking about accuracy in the group chat. Um, here's the thing I would say about the accuracy with with Lance, it's that all of that sample size came when he was a red shirt freshman and 19 years old um, during that season. And so I think if you were to look at where Justin Fields was when he was 19 in his development and the way he was playing, I think Trey Lance is, is ahead of him. If you put them at their exact ages and those exact times in their careers, what Justin Fields had was an extra season of playing. Um, because he did get the Big Ten season going, which is credit to him. Um, you know, I know that's a big deal that he sort of rallied everybody together and got got that season together. But I just think if you're Kyle Shanahan, your dad coach, John Elway, great athlete, great arm, and you could say all those same same things about Justin Fields. But for me, it's Lance because of the, the system that they run at North Dakota State um, you can see all the steps and all of the drops. It's easy for him to project. I keep you know, the CJ Bethard thing is doesn't really apply here because that's a fourth round pick, but going back to what Shanahan said he liked about Bethard and what made it an easy projection for him and why he ultimately didn't had a hard time projecting Patrick Mahomes was because Bethard was doing NFL style things at Iowa. And it, w- it was easy for Shanahan to picture him CJ Bethard running his offense. I think you you can make that same claim about Trey Lance, given the offense that they run, given the steps that he makes, given the uh, his ability to make checks and calls at the line of scrimmage under center. He played in play action a hell of a lot more than than Justin Fields did. So, you know, I think both are elite prospects, and I it wouldn't shock me at all if Justin Fields is a pick. Um, right. I think they're they're closer than a lot of people uh, think they are,
1: mm-hmm. and I
2: think if you go back to you know, Justin Justin Fields' 19-year-old season, I think Trey Lance was more advanced at that point in his career. And, yeah, if you do draft Lance, it's it's a bigger risk, I think.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: I think it's a bigger payoff if he becomes this – if he maximizes all his talents, which I think Kyle Shanahan is betting will happen with, with mm-hmm. either guy, no matter who he takes. Um, I just think, Lance, the ceiling is a little bit higher. But I'm not – either way, I think the 49ers are doing well if they draft – um, Fields or Lance, or even if if the Jets decide to take Fields and the Niners end up with with Zach Wilson, obviously that would be a good such a scenario too. Easy for me to say.
1: As far as Lance's accuracy goes, I'm gonna go all the way back to that. Um, I can't remember who it might have been. Peter King on our last podcast, Candlestick Chronicle, Subscribe, rate, review if you don't already. Yeah, go um, listen
2: to Peter King. He's uh, he, he's in the Mac Jones camp but we had a really good conversation about it we were actually able to have a conversation without like screaming at each other calling each other names and the fact that you didn't
1: call him for one time (laughs) uh frankly jones god damn it yeah (laughs) anyways um so i think he mentioned something about josh allen's accuracy and how not everybody is going to be Josh Allen in terms of their ability to improve their accuracy because he's really the first guy to do that at the, at the scale that he did it. Josh Allen completed 56% of his passes in college. Trey Lance is at 67%. Yeah. It's not like Trey Lance is, is bad at, <laughs> at throwing the football to his wide receivers. Right. It's not, it, it's not this dramatic. And that's where, that's the fascinating part of this to me. I want to take Mac Jones out of the conversation for a minute, sure. well, forever, but please, please I mean, because I just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense and there's no justification that they're going to give that makes that make sense to me. So that's what it is. But I think it's interesting though, when you talk about Trey Lance and his accuracy or Justin Fields and you know, does he bail out of the pocket too quickly or whatever, whatever minor criticisms you have of them, If it's going to be a situation where Shanahan, instead of going, I can't work with that guy, says, okay, the the pros of of having an elite athlete playing quarterback outweigh the minor cons of you know they're going to miss a read or two here and there. Totally, hundred percent. Is that like, or or, you know, that that's that's what I'm really interested to see. And if it does wind up being Mac Jones, like. It is, when you, when you think back to all the things Shanahan said about Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and his thinking of always evolving as a coach. And of course you want a quarterback that can run, but they also have to make all the throws. Like all of that would just be null and void if they went with Mac Jones. That's why none of that adds up to me. And, and, as as far as Lance and Fields go, I think they're. I, I don't. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other because I think they'd both be really good. Yeah, and that's I, where I, I, I agree. Like I, I I follow your reasoning on Lance and and that's that makes a lot of sense to me, especially the back to the back uh, back to the defense play action type stuff. Like I could see all of that being something that Shanahan really wants to to work with and mold. Uh, but I also see what Justin Fields did on on the biggest stage, and you know, totally. busting up his ribs and making a ton of big throws. So I just I think the longer the the um, not not the longer, but the closer we get to draft time, I think the further Jones is going to get pushed out of the conversation, especially when Stray Lance has his has his pro day.
2: Yeah, and the thing like the the thing that's so odd to me is there are so many people in the league who cover it, who've covered it for a long time, who are really smart and who know that there's a bunch of crazy stuff said and reported before every draft and there there's a large percentage of it turns out to be false. <laughs> right? And and everybody is just like is just so honed in on this Jones thing because everybody so looks weird. at it like, well, you know, this is this is what Kyle Shanahan wants. It's like maybe that's what Kyle Shanahan wants if that's the best option that he can get. Like maybe maybe he wants a guy like that in the fourth round of the draft, like when he took Kirk Cousins. Right. Right. Or when he can just sign somebody in free agency, um, like Kirk Cousins, who's available, who you know you could probably get. But when you're investing three first round picks and a third in this decision, you want more than just just the bare the bare bones of no, just
4: a
1: guy
2: just a guy exactly and i so i think you make a really good point in that the athleticism can trump some of the processing issues that you have and if you are in in my opinion if you're Kyle Shanahan you're like whatever whatever flaws fields or lands has i can coach through that because i'm one of the better offensive coaches in the league and so i'm not super worried about mac jones ability to process a little bit better than these guys when these guys are going to be able to convert third downs and score in the red zone and run for first downs and just, you know, create a dynamic that, that simply Mac Jones doesn't have. And it's like, you know, the 49ers have been killed by these mobile quarterbacks.
1: And I think an important, an important caveat there was you said process a little bit better. It's not that this is something that Jones and Lance are actively bad at.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And the other other part of the equation for me, for Lance, and this isn't at all a dig on fields, but just talking to people about Lance, he's like unanimously like a high level individual, Um, both when it comes to personality, leadership traits, being the alpha in the locker room, the, the team guy, the winning is the most important thing guy. You, you read Tim Cowan's story in ESPN about him spending all this time studying NFL defenses really for no reason. Aside from that, he just wants to be a good pro when he, when he eventually gets there. Um, so I, I think there might be a whole element of the stuff away from the field. And again, I want to be very clear because I think there's been a lot of bullshit said about Justin Fields in terms of his commitment and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that Fields doesn't have this stuff that I'm talking about with Lance. I'm just saying there might be some stuff that's really impressive about Lance that might give him an edge over Fields. And again, like Fields could have that stuff, but it, that that's just something that we don't really know because we're not on these Zoom calls with, with you know between Kyle Shanahan and all these quarterback prospects that are happening. Right. So I, I just I, I think there's if 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 Lance is the pick, there's gonna be a lot of stuff about how good he is on the whiteboard um as a team leader and all of that stuff, all the intangible stuff that we don't really get watching on YouTube and grinding in the lab.
1: Right. And I, from what I understand, Trey Lance's hat game is way better, which I think is going to be very appealing. <laughs> Not joking. I, that's un, unsubstantiated, but no, I think I think that's kind of where this all this all comes down. Is I think there's going to be a lot of behind the scenes stuff or things that Shanahan and the front office have have learned about these guys or certain things that you know, they they have spoken to coaches about or the way they prepare or the way they played against, you know, X type of D like just these these sort of intangible things that that because they're so they're all so close even even Mac Jones, when you look at just pure numbers, like they're all like dead even. They're all so close. You can see where the appeal would be with all of them less an extent with Mac Jones, but you see where the appeal could possibly be with all of them. Yeah. But I think there's gonna be a lot of this kind of more minor intangible stuff like you just laid out that is really going to push this over the top where we can tweet about it and be on locker room about it until we're blue in the face. But ultimately I think it might come down to stuff that, you know, we don't really see.
2: It's interesting to me, um I'm, uh, we talked a little bit about the Matt Barrow's article about John Beck in the uh, in our group chat with Nick. Um, it's interesting to me that Beck has worked with pretty much all the quarterbacks the Niners are considering now, and apparently he started working with Trey Lance around the time the Niners made the trade. And I don't know who, you know, I don't I don't know how that happened. I don't know who who made that decision. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the 49ers said, "Hey, John, go go work with Lance, and uh, and see you know see where we're at." Um, so I think that's a level of detail the 49ers are taking when they're making this decision because like John Beck is a guy Kyle Shanahan's obviously very close with. Everybody on the coaching staff I think is pretty c- close with, and and there might be some back channeling where they're like telling him exactly what he needs to work on. And and maybe using that as part of their evaluation, like, hey, we, in theory, they could say, hey, John, work on this aspect of his game for these few weeks, and then let's see how he does it at the pro day. Um, maybe that's part of it, right? And I tend to think pro days aren't really that important. Like I said, I think the 49ers made this decision back in February, but I think they're the why Kyle Shanahan is so at ease now when he's at these pro days is he's like, well. I'm in. I'm in the Capra seat. Like, I'm gonna get my guy, sort of, no matter what, because I've already established somebody I like at three.
1: Right.
2: Um, and this is fun for me. This is like, this is low stress scouting. He doesn't have to worry about getting jumped anymore. I think one other reason why I think there was so much Mac Jones talk is because, you know, the the Forty Niners didn't want to get jumped for one of their guys potentially if the Jets just r- decided to roll with Sam Darnold and trade out. Um, right. And since the Jets made that trade and traded Sam Darnold, making it abundantly clear that they're gonna draft a quarterback, you've heard Adam Schefter sort of take his foot off the accelerator when he said, I expect it to be Mac Jones He says, Well, it could be Mac Jones, if I already guess it'd be Mac Jones. Like that that was the shift in his tone after that trade. So I do wonder if that trade was if if whatever uncertainty was happening with the Jets had to do with the messaging about it being Mac Jones because the 49ers didn't want to get jumped in case the Jets traded out.
1: And I think, too, I it it, it was Adam Schefter and then Ian Rappaport said something similar where he said, like, my guess would be Mac Jones, but uh, I'm not ready to start the draft at four yet. And I think that's why.
0: Yeah.
1: I would
2: agree. Um, so we had a plan for this podcast. Aside from talking about the quarterback stuff, um, we wanted to hit on guys that we think that we've identified as high-level talent, talent evaluators um, in rounds two and three at positions of need.
1: So much time in the lab.
2: <laughs> a lot of time in the lab. Um, you know, obviously, you look at what the 49ers need outside of the number three pick. They need corners. Uh, multiple, I think mm-hmm. I, I think the 49ers are going to draft multiple corners, maybe one that can play the slot, maybe a couple that can play both outside and inside. Um, you lose Richard Sherman and Kella Witherspoon. Those are, you know, empty spots on the depth chart, and you ideally want to get developmental guys because you don't know if you can bank on Jason Verrett. We've talked about mm-hmm. all of that. So cornerback's a very clear need. Um, pass rusher is a very clear need. I think receiver is... Is growing on me as an important need, particularly now that you're you're going to be getting another quarterback. Um, I think getting having three receivers you're very comfortable with, adding to Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, is going to be really important. So, um, I went with a corner and a receiver. But Kyle, I want to hear your second round guy first. Um, pick number forty three. Overall, round two, going to be made Friday night, April 30th. Who are you going with?
1: I'm going with uh, a guy that you and and Nick have talked a lot about, Elijah Molden from the University of Washington. I'm not sure he'll be around by the time the 49ers pick. At, at 43, you said, right? 43, 46, 43. 43? Help me out. Yes, 43. Sorry. Okay. Um, so I don't know if he'll be there by the time the 49ers pick at 43. Nobody does. He's just a badass. Like, he is a, um, like, hybrid safety corner in the vein of, like, Buddha Baker in the NFC West in Arizona. Tyron Matthew used to be in Arizona, now in Kansas City, um... That type of player where you can line him up at safety, you can line him up in the slot, he can play linebacker for you if you need to. And I think that kind of chess piece would would work well this season for the 49ers. Um, mm-hmm. And then you think down the line, you know, post Jimmy Ward, post k1 Williams, Williams on a one-year deal. I think Ward has one or two years left on his contract. You can You can then put Molden specifically in one of those spots if if you feel comfortable with him long term, but I think having a do everything defensive back that can play multiple positions, uh, he's super tough. He's all over the screen when you watch him, um, sticking his nose in in the run game, he can defend the pass. I I just really like the idea of, like I said, uh, in in the modern NFL where the middle of the field is so important to to control, which the 49ers do really well with Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. I think that putting in a defensive back like Molden would be, uh, would put their, would put their pass defense on a, on a, on a new level.
2: I like it. I endorse, I endorse that idea. Um, I went with Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky and this is a, a guy that I've heard um from somebody in the league say he's a first round talent. Like there's no doubt about um, his ability to play the position, his athleticism. He doesn't have great size, but he's somebody who's probably going to fall because of off the field stuff, character concerns, whatever. Um, He has released six albums under the name YKDV Bossman Fat. Um so I would yeah. love I would love to do some immersive journalism and uh go go hang out with uh Boss Man Fat at the studio and you know during a studio session and just see what that's like. <laughs> um but no otherwise like you know if you're if you're talking about somebody with just a high ceiling, somebody who could be a very good player for a long time and somebody who could start quickly, who's played um, you know, obviously in the SEC with LSU and with Kentucky at against a lot of really good receivers, um, I just think he he makes a lot of sense. Now, you wonder about you know the wiring, right? That's that's the concern you have. How is he going to handle you know being a pro athlete? Um, and having different professional responsibilities and being accountable and everything like that, because you read things that, you know, coaches say he needs to grow up and things like that. Um, not every prospect is perfect. And some guys have to go through some sort of transformation to become good pros in the league. And I think you see a, you, I think you see it happen a lot of the time. Um, there, There's also cases like Richard Robinson. Where you know I'm saying a lot of the same things about Joseph now that were said about Robinson—that he was a super talented dude—but the guy just turned out to be a knucklehead. And maybe Calvin Joseph is just a knucklehead. But obviously, during this process, you're going to figure that out and talk to everybody in his life and try to figure out what's what. But this, to me, just watching him play—really feisty, aggressive, um, really good, just man-to-man cover guy, uh, sort of the the alpha shit talker type guy that you might need now that, you know, Richard Sherman's no longer around. Um, mm-hmm. Jason Verrett's not. I think he's kind of a quiet player. Uh, I think most <laughs> of the guys in the secondary are, are pretty quiet. And so I wonder if you do need sort of a, unofficial spokesman. Yeah. Boss man fat. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I would take, I would take a shot at, at Kelvin Joseph bank on the fact that you have a good locker room and infrastructure um to handle a personality like that because sometimes it's worth it's worth it to take shots on personalities like that and if he's a good player then it could be a home run because we know how badly the 49ers need some some corners they could develop you know as starters going forward
1: yeah i i i like taking chances on especially in in listening to Daniel Jeremiah from NFL.com and his in his uh, conference call talk about this year's cornerback class, it falls off pretty quick early in round two. And I think if you're going to take a chance on a player, uh, a big athletic corner is is a good type good player to take a chance on.
2: Yeah, and there's there're going to be a lot of guys in this sort of second round mix. There's Molden, there's Elijah Stokes, Tyson Campbell, both those guys from I Georgia. I
1: mean,
2: big Tyson Campbell guy. A uh I, I who's a brother of Obi Melafonwu, who's currently on the 49ers. Legend. Yeah. Um, you know, there's Aaron Robinson, Paulson Adebo. Um, Adebo maybe. I'm not
1: I believe there's, there's no
2: pronunciation there. guide here. So, um but yeah, I I think there's yeah, going to be, be really a lot of options. Option.
1: Grinding this TV tape. We get it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think round two is going to be a good spot for a corner. Who's your Who's your round three guy?
1: So this might be a little bit early, but I just wanted a reason to talk about him on the podcast, so I'm bumping him up to round three. Cade Johnson from South Dakota State, and I'm sure everybody listening has watched a ton of South Dakota State football, so I will keep this brief because I'm sure you're already very familiar with the former Jackrabbit, but that's their mascot, by the way, is the Jackrabbit. Uh, no, he just, uh, slot receiver, not super big. I think he's listed at, like, 5'10 or 11 and 185 pounds, so not a big guy, but he plays bigger than that. Um, there's not a ton of, like, tape on him, but I really liked what I saw. Um The fact that he can work in the middle of the field, he returned kicks and is good after the catch, which I think you can tie those two things together typically, unless it's, unless it's Dante Pettis. Um, I just, I, I think his skill set would fit really nice as a replacement for Kendrick Bourne. Um, he can work out of the slot. Uh, he has a, he has enough speed to get vertical if you need him to. Um, he's just, uh, I think one of those guys that just kind of would would what's the word I'm looking for uh the phrase that came into my head would get the job done, but it felt like it needed more than that, but i just i, I think he's kind of a badass, and I'm in on him for forty five catches and five hundred yards and a and a few touchdowns.
2: you and uh friend of the pod Tracy Sandler both. yeah,
1: Tracy was actually the one that turned me on to Ed to Johnson so
2: That's um. I like it. I think there are going to be a lot of receivers in that mix. There are going to be a lot of slot guys, a lot of like punt returner guys. I think that would make a lot of sense because you're not, you're probably not bringing back Trent Taylor, and you do need a replacement for Kendrick Bourne. Um, Speaking of Bourne, and this isn't a great like, I don't think there's a whole lot of similarities here, but I think this guy could be really good in Bourne's uh, former role. Um, Dayami Brown from North Carolina. 21 touchdowns in three seasons, 20 in the last two. Uh, he hasn't missed a start in two years. Um, first team, all ACC. Uh, he's had over 1,000 yards in the last two seasons, average over 20 yards a catch. The reason why, I mean, he's not Kendrick Bourne because he's much more of a deep threat. Uh, he ran a 4.44 in the 40. Um, he has very long arms, 32 and, and three-quarter inches. Um and uh, 6.853 cone, which makes me think he could potentially play the slot. He didn't play a whole lot out of the slot uh, at North Carolina. But just, you know, what 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 is the 49ers receiving core lacking right now? I think it might be a deep threat. It might be sort of that slot, like T- Taylor Gabriel type guy. And Bourne, obviously, he played out of the slot a lot, but he wasn't really a deep threat. If right. you get a big-armed quarterback, whether it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance, um, or even Zach Wilson, you probably want to have a deep threat, somebody who can do some of those things um, in addition to what Brandon Ayu can give you there, or potentially Debo Samuel, although I think he's going to be more of the short yardage, maybe gadget run game guy that he's been. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think somebody that can take the top off the defense as a deep threat like Brown would make a ton of sense. Um, and I think Brown has more nuance in his game than than what he showed at North Carolina. You read up on – um, on, you know, the draft reports, his his route tree was relatively limited. Um, but I think he's got the athleticism and the skills. I think he's really explosive in and out of his breaks, which is something that I, the, the 49ers really prioritize when it comes to receivers. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he makes a lot of sense to sort of fill that void left by, by Kendrick Bourne. And I think he, he would be an immediate talent upgrade. I don't know you know, that he would necessarily be better than Bourne was, say, last year, because Bourne was a pretty – or the last couple of years, Bourne has, has been a pretty valuable member of that receiving core.
1: Um, the team in receiving yards in 2018.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's Kendrick Bourne.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is somebody that could potentially develop – you know, you could start him out as your number three guy, and then you could potentially develop him to, you know, a starter if – you are ever uncomfortable about about paying Debo Samuel long-term, right? Because Debo's had a bunch of injury issues, not just as a pro, but going back to college. Um, you know, you always have to wonder. And now it becomes easier because you're going to have a, a quarterback on a rookie contract. But receivers make a lot of money, right? And if Debo Samuel turns into this guy who gets, you know, 1,400, 1,500 uh, all-purpose yards every year, by the time he gets paid, he's going to want something like $15 million plus. And you're going to start to wonder if the 49ers want to go down that road or do they want to just keep drafting receivers and developing them like the Steelers do when they let, when they let their guys go. And, and that's not to say I think the 49ers are not going to pay Debo, but I think you want to insulate yourself from that scenario by keep drafting receivers because eventually some of these guys could get expensive. And ultimately you just want as many weapons as possible. But Brown, I think, can do some of the middle of the field stuff that you, that you had from Kendrick Bourne. And then add that explosive element downfield. Um, he's he's a really good double move guy, right? So you you think about um, you know maybe trying to break off an eight yard route on third and six, and then somebody bites on it, and because he's so good at those double moves, then you have a free alley, uh, you know, through the back of the defense towards the end zone because he is good at those routes. Um, so yeah, Diami Brown, Diami Brown, excuse me. Um, I think. You know, maybe the the third round, he might be gone in round two. But I think there are so many receivers that you might get some good value there in round three. So I'm I'm wondering if he's going to be available. And I think he would be a, a very good replacement for Kendrick Bourne and potentially a starter down the road.
1: Yeah, I like it. And I think, too, the conversation about... Um, I just didn't really have anything to add. That's why I just said I like it and then moved on. I don't yeah, want you to I didn't think have anything I to add about your guys. You, yeah, you it so I just didn't want you to think I was just kind of kicking aside what you said. I agree with everything you said and I would not like to further the larger conversation. You went micro with Diami Brown. I'm going to go macro here with the 49ers receiver roster. So in the chat where uh, a whole bunch of people are, are hanging out right now, talking quarterbacks and wide receivers, uh, it's really fun watching that scroll through. Um, the the wide receiver conversation is, I think, one that's gonna that that is gonna simmer a lot because with Bourne's absence, you look at who the who the third receiver is, or would be, and I mean wide receiver. I mean, obviously George Kittle is gonna be in the mix, but it's Travis Benjamin who who took last year off because of of the pandemic. You have Jalen Hurd, who's missed two years with. Different injuries. Major injuries. One a back injury, one a torn ACL. Yeah. Um, Mohammed Sanu, who is 46. Who, who got old?
2: cut, who got who cut, cut after being on the team right. for a couple weeks last year.
1: Right. Richie James, who is, I think, really intriguing and uh, a player I'm going to watch really closely this offseason because we saw a little bit of what he offers the offense. Uh, against Green Bay when the Forty ers had the COVID issues last year, and, and Richie James had to start and he had a huge game. I'm I'm interested to see if this is the year he finally carves out a role in the offense because he's certainly going to have an opportunity to. Uh, it's River Craycraft, like it's just there's no there's no receiver on the roster where you're like, oh, obviously that's the third guy.
2: Yeah, Jalen and, Hurd might be great,
1: but yeah, and, you can't and, and,
2: you cannot bank on Jalen Hurd being great.
1: Thousand percent, and Travis uh, Travis Benjamin maybe awesome back in Kyle Shanahan's offense, uh, but again he's he's been he's been hurt, um and, and like I said not last year last year he sat out for a perfectly valid reason with with COVID nineteen and stuff but but prior to that he had dealt with some injuries, um like I said Mohamed Sanu has been hurt and he's just unproductive last year like it's just a and then and then Richie James who hasn't been able in three years to carve out a role on offense so. I, I really think that when you look at the the wide scope of the receiver position for the Forty ers they they don't need to you know do anything crazy and trade back into the first round to get somebody or or even use a second round pick on a receiver. But I I, I do think day two we see them go that route because having a reliable a, a reliable player to replace Kendrick Bourne is is going to be pretty important. Bourne made some big catches for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. I think you, I think you nailed the receiver conversation because if you're, you know, if you're looking at Richie James, like, Richie James is fine. Like, if Richie James is your fourth or fifth guy and he's your return guy, I think that's fine. And the 49ers have been fine with him being their return guy. Um, you certainly could look to increase his reps in the offense, but he might be a guy like we saw in the Green Bay game or like, the most productive he's going to be is when you're force feeding him. And in that game, he was being force fed because everybody was basically out with COVID or in the, in the COVID protocol, um, with contact contact tracing and all that. So can, can Richie James just step in and be the slot guy that Kendrick Bourne was? I I don't know. Um, I don't know if the 49ers would trust him to do that, although, you know, he's, born has been here the entire time James has been here. So we don't know exactly how the 49ers coaches viewed that pecking order in terms of like, you know, obviously Richie James never got to a point where, where you wanted to play James consistently over Bourne because Bourne was just so consistent. Um, right. So, you know, now you're going to give, um, you could give James that opportunity, but. You know, I think the 49ers should just draft a receiver within the first three or four rounds every year. Yeah, why not? I really do. Like, it's Kyle Shanahan's position. Um, The worst-case scenario is you have a really good receiving core, and you have to lose one of your guys in free agency. Um, But I think the Steelers have sort of been the model of the team that's like, really good at finding receivers to the point Mm -hmm. where they're like, yeah, we'll let Antonio Brown go because we have Juju and whoever else. Like they, they just always churn out receivers for whatever reason. And I think that's a really smart way to do it because it's such an expensive position Mm -hmm. and you need so many of them. Right. So, um, you know, you
1: you want to allocate your financial resources?
2: Right. Like if I, I'll put it this way. I think I, I do not expect the 49ers to give second contracts to both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. I agree. Uh, I think they're going to have to choose one of those guys because you can't have, you know, 35 or $40 million wrapped up in your two receivers. So that's why I would just keep drafting guys every year, guys that you like, and then, you know, it, that insulates you from having to pay both of them. Um, so yeah. I think, and given the fact you're drafting a quarterback, um, you know, you're trying to go to the Super Bowl like you need a lot of weapons. And the Chiefs do this too. The Chiefs all oh, it seems like the Chiefs have a never-ending depth chart of just it's super insane. fast, incredible receivers. Um, so I think the 49ers would be wise to mimic that.
1: Yeah, and I think too if you're if you're worth the damn evaluating receivers at all, like you said, the Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh Steelers I think is a really is a really good comp because Yeah, they're good at evaluating receivers and finding talent there and stuff. But also, if you're drafting one receiver a year, like over the course of three or four years, you're eventually going to land on one who's, who's a really good, productive player. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's the right idea. And I think too, um, you don't need like, they don't, they don't need Julio Jones. Like, he'd be cool. It, right. would, it would be better than not having Julio Jones. But right. they don't – Kyle Shanahan's offense, the same way – for the same reason Nick Mullins is throwing through the second most yards ever through a quarterback's first 16 games, they don't need, you know, two Julio Joneses to be successful. You can keep drafting guys every once in a while using a first-round pick on one if there's if there's a player like Ayuk that they really like. But, you know, day two guys will, will – I think pretty much do the job, and then you get your undrafted guys like Kendrick Bourne who who break through every once in a while.
2: Yeah, and and look, they have basically a fifty percent hit rate, right? Like they've missed they missed on Dante Pettis, obviously. Um, to this point, they've missed on Jalen Hurd. I don't know that that's really on them as evaluators because he's gotten hurt, but the I mean, he hasn't played a game, so a third round pick obviously that's a miss. Um, but they've hit on Debo and Ayuk in pretty big ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. you know, like that, that's a good thing. If you can find one of those guys every two or three years in the draft, like you're going to be cooking with gas eventually. Yep. So, um, we're a little bit, a little, little ways away from that. Debo's going to be eligible for a new contract after this upcoming season. I do not expect the 49ers to give him a new contract before free agency, or maybe at the very end, if they do resign him. I think Ayuk is going to be a star. I really do. I'm really. He's
1: gonna be really, really good.
2: Yeah. Um. And so, ultimately, like I think if they do pay one of those guys, I think right now it's more likely to be Ayuk. But you know, that's that's a conversation for another uh, way down the line. But right now we're having it because we're talking about the importance of adding receivers. So we agree with that.
1: Hey, um, real, real quick, real quick. Yeah. I wanna I wanna ask another draft thing. Do you think they draft a running back this year?
2: It will not surprise me at all. It really wouldn't. I know the mm-hmm. deal with them is to just keep adding undrafted guys, but like you might be getting to a point where it's like, man, we really like this one guy. We know he would be awesome in our system. He's more talented than, uh, than you know, basically anybody else. Like you remember where he moster bounced around to eight teams before he became what he is, and he was a special yeah. teams guy even before he became an elite running back. Right. Um. So like.
1: I could just see them based on what their what their needs look like and how many draft picks they have. I know the fourth round is going to invoke Joe Williams, and and nobody wants that. But you know, in the fourth round, there's somebody that Shanahan's just like, yeah, I can have that guy for four years on a on a fourth round rookie contract. Like that's and, and they go that route for the first time since 2017.
2: I think the fourth round is the earliest I would expect them to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, even and even then, I, I yeah, I, that might but happen. like.
2: Round five, like I could see Shanahan finding the perfect guy for him in round five. And I don't know who it is. I haven't I haven't taken a deep dive at the running backs yet, but
1: I've not even done a shallow dive at the running backs. <laughs> um but
2: yeah, i, I
1: South state tape. I
2: could totally see them taking a running back. That that would make a ton of sense. Um right. so you need to
1: do it eventually. I get that I get that the undrafted guys are working and Jeff Wilson Jr.'s been uh, you know, really broke out last year, and Raheem Moser was an undrafted guy who, as you mentioned, bounced around everywhere. And uh, Jamichael Hasty was somebody people were excited about. Um, who else well, they the all ones? got hurt and last year. Uh, Matt Breida, another one, yeah. So, I, I they I all got hurt. So you got to identify a guy that you think might be really, really good and, and draft him,
2: yeah. Um, yeah, like if Raheem Mostert is like, if you have two guys, like your, you know, your more traditional maybe power back or whatever that you'd take in round four or five this year, if you match that guy and you don't have to have Raheem Mostert carrying the ball twenty times a game, with the way Kyle Shanahan can can do that running game, like that could be something, you know. And yeah. and I think the the idea of reinforcing the running back room because those dudes had. Ankle injuries last year would be smart. So
1: And th- and then can you just like on top of adding a running back and this is where this is where just a football fan in me that wants to watch Kyle Shanahan ball out with a modern quarterback and not one that he drafted from nineteen seventy four. Um like can you I'm just and I think a lot of people are picturing the 49ers' run game, where defenses now also have to account for the quarterback. Yes. And it just like that would be a lot of fun, and it's something that I would I would like to see it.
2: Yes. Um. If you if the 49ers had a quarterback that could throw the deep ball, and offer a threat in the running game on top of just being able to run the offense like Jimmy Garoppolo could. I think you're looking at a scenario where you're like really, really impossible to defend and you might have like a top two or three offense in the league.
1: Yes. They had a top two offense in the league with Jimmy Garoppolo.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, I keep going back to it. It's like.
1: The excitement, the excitement level I have for watching a version of this offense with Justin Fields or Trey Lance in it would, like, I would be so bummed out if, it wound up being Mac Jones.
2: I I honestly really want to ask a question. We're going to get John Lynch. I think it's going to be draft week. Um, I'm not certain about that. It might be next week, but we're going to get John Lynch before the draft. I am dying to know if they're concerned at all about the fan base's perception of the pick. Because like, I know like the Niners fans will riot tweets like are, you know, they're out there and I don't think anybody's going to riot over that. But I think the fan base would be really, really pissed, and I think it would just be a bad spot to be in if you traded all those picks for Mac Jones, and now basically
5: the next nobody five
2: years. and yeah, nobody likes him, and the next five years are hinging on Mac Jones becoming Tom Brady or Drew Brees or one of these immobile quarterbacks. Like, I think I, I want to know in, in Lynch's mind, does that factor in at all? If they're like, man, do you know if, if in the draft room, like, I want to know, did, did somebody say, uh, should we should, should we worry about the fans just completely hating us?
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think they would, and here's why because I hate what and here's why, like you know, I'm gonna tell you, I don't need to say, here's why, um, here's why I think that, goddammit, it, <laughs> they don't, if they're picking Mac Jones if they're trading three first round picks for Mac Jones, they think. He's going to win them Super Bowls multiple. Right, that's the that thing point, I keep
2: coming back to.
1: It, Super that, Bowls. Right, at that point, every the 49ers fans could literally not go to Levi Stadium and say every 49er fan to a person says we're boycotting. And if Mac Jones wins the Super Bowl in 2022 and then goes back and wins it in 2023, guess what? People are going to be buying Mac Jones jerseys. That's why I don't think they care what the band base thinks, because... Yeah, I mean, they got to win. Right.
2: But, yeah, I mean, the, I feel for the fans, because, like, I could imagine, like, you think Vikings fans are, like, pumped about Kirk Cousins? No. <laughs> you
1: know, like, well... well no, nobody's pumped like, about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is like one of the Kirk two- Cousins.
2: <laughs> he's paid like one of the top guys. Sometimes he looks like he has really good games and other times he just kind of wilts in the spotlight and he can't really move. And, but you know, he's fine. Like when the thing was my, my biggest, my, my biggest, um, I don't know the point, the point I would argue against the most with, and we had Peter King on the pod was like, well, when I see Mac Jones, I see Kirk cousins and I wanted to scream like exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, like that's like the, the problem
2: <laughs> that's the problem with Mac Jones right and like if if he's not Kirk Cousins and your stated goal is to win multiple Super Bowls and beat Patrick Mahomes and beat Russell Wilson for the division title every year and Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray and you know maybe you get Sean Watson in the Super Bowl with when he's playing for the Dolphins or the Jets or whatever I mean that's not going to happen now but hmm. point is like you're going to need to beat some really good quarterbacks some dynamic quarterbacks to get there and like Making the bet on Mac Jones is saying I think Mac Jones is Tom Brady, basically. Because Brady's the only one to beat these guys right now. And I just don't buy it at all. And I don't think anybody I don't think anybody smart like I think there's a massive gulf between um you know NFL talent evaluators who say, Yeah, Mac Jones is probably the fifth best quarterback in this class. Like maybe there's some that say, Oh, I really love his processing and all that stuff. He's part. he might be third or fourth. But I bet more than half the league views Mac Jones as a fifth guy, and everybody talking to everybody is like, "Well, this is a guy Shanahan will love," but that doesn't mean that's what Ch- what Shanahan wants, right? Like, I don't. Anyway, we we don't need to relitigate all this stuff again. But um,
1: say, if you want to hear this? Go back to the circuit <laughs> <file>. <laughs>
2: Um But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this conver- the Mac Jones conversation being over and done with because sometimes I feel like we talk in circles about it. Um, yeah, let's take, uh, let's take, some what do we call requests. these callers? You want to, I mean, the button says speaker requests, so
1: I'm to take some speakers. Like, I don't know. That sounds like we're about to commit a heist. Have some people chime in.
2: Well, hey, what's up, man? Hey, what's up guys?
3: How are you guys you doing? doing? Good. Hey, what you um... got? No, um, I was on the, on here, I think like uh, two weeks ago, and I listened to the podcast again, mm-hmm. and wow, I I sounded so mean talking about Trey Lance. I'm like, <laughs> I did like, I'm not I'm not a mean person, you know. So
2: yeah,
3: I went. Back right, we'll I say watched. something
1: nice about Trey Lance to make up for it. He listens to the pod. So. You got
3: it. Um, you no, know, I you know I went back. I watched more tape, like a different lens, through a different lens, uh, trying to look look for traits and stuff. And, um, I see, I see the potential. I, I, am like, I would hop on board with Trey Lance cause, um, he, I, I, I was too hard on him. So, um, yeah, he stays in the pocket. I like that. Um, he made this pass versus UC Davis. It was like, um, a opposite hash over two defenders for like 20, I think like 30 yards actually. Yeah. And, um, it was very, It was ridiculous. It was like over two or three defenders, and I my jaw dropped. I'm like, yeah, this guy. I, I see all the traits. I know what you're talking about Chris, and I think you were right on the Debo Samuel pick. I think you predicted that we would take him, and I think you're going to be right about Trey Lance.
2: So. I, I just appreciate hope- that. That's a good memory on your part. Uh, but yeah,
3: great? I, 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 Not
1: only I, yeah. were you nice to Trey Lance, you were also nice to Chris. You're scoring big points tonight, Bob.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, So, like, I'm a big – I love your guys' pod. I'm a big supporter. Um, Appreciate that. I just hope Kyle isn't too stubborn and picks Mac Jones. But I remember when I was listening to the press conference live, and I think it was a Kirk Cousins question, and Kyle used the word – when he was answering that question, he, he used the word elite. He wants yeah. an elite player. So once I heard that word, that's like the biggest thing that stuck out to me from the press conference. Once I heard Elite, my mind went to Fields and then Lance. I'm like, okay, after the, after I heard that, I'm like, there's no way we're going to get Mac Jones. So yeah. that stuck out to me big time.
2: Yeah, he mentioned in that exact quote, he said something to the effect of, ideally you want the biggest, fastest, strongest guy, but also the best thrower from the pocket. Yeah. So like, actually,
1: I'm writing a piece about that. Literally, I stopped writing to jump on the podcast. I'm writing a piece about that specific quote and breaking it down right now and trying to match the prospect to that. Yeah, um,
2: and I I think the cousin stuff Jones, spoiler the, the cousin stuff just comes from like the fact he got him in the fourth round. So like if you're getting a fourth round quarterback, you want this processor. While it's going to cost you a whole lot more in draft capital if you're trying to get the processing plus an elite athlete. Yeah,
3: I agree 100% because, um, like, I think as you mentioned it earlier, like, it, that's what's available to him. But if you're going to trade up for a guy, you're going to pick him, you want the best of both worlds. So yeah. I, 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 agree, I agree with you completely. Um, yeah, I just hope Kyle isn't too stubborn. Like, oh, man. Because honestly, nothing, feel, with my, no, nothing will surprise me.
2: Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable that it's not going to be Mac Jones. Yeah, And maybe I, it will be. Maybe I'll regret ever saying that, but I feel pretty comfortable right now saying it's not going to be Mac.
3: Yeah, and I think I'm honestly watching too much tape where, I'm like, I'm changing my mind too often on prospects. <laughs> so I I honestly stopped watching QB tape for, like, a week almost because it was just getting to my head. Like, I was over-evaluating everything, and it was just not good. Yeah,
4: hey, that name, can happen. I've done the same name. thing. No,
3: yeah.
1: No such thing as watching too much tape. <laughs> KBG, man. Always be grinding. There it is. <laughs> thanks, dude.
2: Alright, Vahe. Thanks, sure. man. Appreciate it.
1: Too much tape.
2: <laughs> Alright, we're going to bring Vams in
5: here. Hey there, Chris. Vams, Can what's up, man? How you doing? Hi, I'm doing pretty good. Can you hear me? Yeah, I yeah. got you. So, like, I was really on the, like, board of going like a QB round one at three and wide receiver at 43. But the last few days, I've really been thinking. I'm like, can a, like a three-down running back, like a guy like a Josh Jacobs, or a guy who can just come in like a Zeke Elliott, or Cam, or Cam Akers, or like a Clyde Edwards-Williams do more on a on a win-now Super Bowl team right away than maybe wide receiver three or the fourth pass-catching option after Kittle? Like, like yeah, four, I like it's a four-year contract in, in the first four years of that deal. I feel like like a legitimate three-down guy to do, like be more like from a day one thing.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think a, a elite running back prospects would be really good in this offense. Where I would push back on at 43 is you really need a cornerback. Um yeah. and so you 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 look at, you know, you look at the way this draft class is constructed. It seems like there are going to be a lot of starting caliber corners in that round 2 mix.
5: So yeah, I, think, I definitely agree. I just said, like, if it was a receiver or a running back, like, I was heavy towards receiver. Like, between those two positions, I honestly feel like the value is there with the running back. Like, like not in, like considering other positions, if it goes between those two. Yeah. I think the value is there.
2: Yeah. I think there wouldn't be a whole lot of difference in production from a running back that Kyle Shanahan drafted in, like, round four or five versus round two or three. But I, I think it's a valid point that like it would make a ton of sense for them that a running back just for depth, just for like you said to have like a bell cow because I think Raheem Mostert's good, but I don't think you can count on him to be a bell cow like six, you know, seventeen games a year.
1: You can't and then he can't carry the ball Mostert the time.
2: <laughs> there you go, Um Kyle. Everybody.
5: <laughs> like, the day three and the UDFAs, you can find, like, more niche running backs, like, the kind of scat back types. Like, But you're not really finding the three down, like, complete, that pass blocks and receives. Like, Those are going in the first three rounds. And I don't feel like you can find a complete running back in day three. And, like, we heard the reports that Kyle wanted Clyde Edwards earlier. I feel like he wants a three down guy that can also receive.
2: Yeah, he was in the, the Niners called on um thanks a lot Vans. that's 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 a good point on on the running back stuff. Um I think Kyle Shanahan was in on Le'Veon Bell. Um I think he said, you know, I I asked him the question one time about how he views prospects um at running back because there is that long history of, you know, him and his dad and and position coach Bobby Turner of, you know, finding these um, undrafted guys and, and, you know, churning them out. And Shanahan said, well, yeah, we can do that. But like, I would love to have an elite running back prospects, right? Like I would, if I could get one of these elite guys, then maybe that does take the offense to a different level. And, you know, I think it's a really good point that like a running back could happen. Kyle, what's, what's like the demarcation point for you of when it's like too early to invest in a running back in the draft?
1: I think anywhere in the top, like, anywhere in the top, cause I'm of the mind that using high end, either financial or draft capital on a running back when you see all the success the 49ers have had with guys who are undrafted. I think, fi- I think using a, a top like 50 pick on a running back is, is, uh, I don't want to say irresponsible, but not the best use of resources. Especially when when I think you hit it on the head, they need a cornerback, they need a wide receiver, they need some interior offensive line help, they need some pass rush help. Like running back is a is a I think more of a luxury pick than anything. So I think anywhere in the top like 120 picks, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that route. But if there's somebody they like after that that they that they you know move up for or whatever, I, I think that's probably fine. They have three picks in round five.
2: Yeah. So to me, that feels like the time to like take your take your running back.
1: Yeah, or 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 use one or two of those to try and move up in the fourth round. Yeah, I I guess.
2: Like forty three, one hundred two, and one seventeen. Their picks in rounds two, three, and four. I think there are four positions that I think they are most likely to address, or at least like in that group, it's going to be receiver, um, cornerback, potentially two cornerbacks, and pass rusher, and interior offensive line. Those four, I think they're going to hit three of those four in those picks. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if they traded back and got additional picks in round, potentially round two and, um, you know, three and four in that range. I think it, that would make a lot of sense. We'll bring in one more speaker. Oh, Boom. we got Rob. I guess, I guess. Rob. Rob Fresno. Rob was great. Oh, hold on. We got, okay, we got two speakers now. We got Robin all day. Oh my god. Hey, no, no. I'll be quick. I'll be brief. Hey, Chris, okay. What was the uh, What was the
5: name of of Joseph's like, like music name again?
2: You You need to hear me say it again. Yeah, but nobody what else. Was, what was it again? I see it. <laughs> Rob's gonna record this and make it. A yes, drop. God, I <laughs> hope so. That is exactly what he's doing. Uh, yeah, what let me see. Hold on. <laughs> This is this is good podcasting right here.
1: Really good, Tyler. Um,
2: all right, Calvin Joseph. His uh, he's released six albums under the name YKDV Boss Man Fat.
5: Cool man, thanks. That's all I needed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh goodness, that's oh, gonna that be that's gonna be. Rob's gonna tweet that, and his Twitter hive is. is I
1: can't wait. Is, I'm gonna the. Pardon my French, everybody. Shit.
4: All right, all day. What's up, man? What's going on? I appreciate you bringing me in. I just y'all have hurt my feelings tonight with this passing on Justin Fields as is as like it's cool. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me as if it's cool. That's all I'm saying. So my question, I've asked uh, 49 of fans I meet in the streets or I just talk to you on here, is your confidence percentage pie on who you think we will draft at three? So just to give you a background, mine is okay. 95.3 Justin Fields. Four point six, Trey Lance, zero point one McCorkle, because obviously it's a, sl- it, it's you never know. So okay. what would be you all two?
2: Kyle, you go first. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do right. some math. I'm here. Not,
1: I'm not doing this without acknowledging the fact that you called him McCorkle, which is the best thing to call oh, Mac yeah, Jones. It's not From <laughs> so
4: from where I grew up, MAC has always been a very nice word to me. I'm not calling him MAC. The song, have y'all heard the song, the Mac? I'm not calling him that. One of the best, <laughs> best that. Ever. I'm not calling him that.
1: His name is McCorkle. His mama name McCorkle. I hope you call into every single locker room we do all day. This is that, really great. that's
2: honestly my favorite Mac Jones
1: take. Yes, that's, as, the, as, that's the best Mac Jones
2: take. As somebody who grew up in, uh, I, as somebody who grew up in the Bay Area and graduated high school in 2005 and was very much into the Bay Area hip-hop scene at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally respect the uh, the take on not wanting to call him back. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's see. Percentage points. Mean, so I, I'm invested in this Trey Lance part. thing because I've written it. I've talked about it a lot. Um, I'm going to say Trey Lance 60%. Uh, Justin Fields, 35%, and then 5% to McCorkle. Um, just because I can't I, – I'm, I'm not naive enough to dismiss it outright. Like, I do think there's a kernel of truth to the idea that, like, he's this elite processor. Maybe all of that stuff supersedes the athleticism in Kyle Shanahan's mind. I don't believe it, um, but that's where I'm at. And, look, on Justin Fields, like, watching him do what he did against Clemson as an Ohio State alum like warmed my heart in a way that didn't hasn't happened since 2015 when Ohio state won the whole thing. Um, That was like a extremely gratifying viewership experience from somebody who almost always watches college football, like, you know, analytically less as a fan. Um, So like, I love Justin Fields for that, for sure. But when I'm, when I'm trying to just figure out what Kyle Shanahan wants, that's why the, that's why the Trey Lansing comes up. So I'm not, I don't I don't feel super strongly that Trey Lance is better than Justin Fields or Kyle Shanahan prefers Trey Lance, but that's just that's just the conclusion I come up with in my head um after digging around on these guys. So I do like I don't I don't want my <laughs> my take that I think Trey Lance is gonna be the pick to to indicate to people that I'm completely out on Justin Fields. I'm not. I just think for Kyle Shanahan, I, I could see Lance being the guy. So Kyle, your your percentages.
1: Yeah, real quick, I want to address, I've worked out my percentages, I've done the math, but Vince Mora in the chat says, when people say that Jones is an elite processor, are they saying Fields is not? I don't get this take. I think that's just McCorkle's best quality. So that's just what people throw on as the qualifier, and maybe he's a little better than Lance and Fields at those things. That doesn't necessarily mean that Lance and Fields are bad at those things, Uh, McCorkle as his forever no-no, is, is elite at that, I guess. Anyways, I've got 49.7% for Justin Fields. Okay. I'm 463 for Trey Lance, which I believe, if my math is right, puts me at 96, which leads uh, 3% for Mac Jones. And then I've got 1% Kyle Pitts. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because I think... <laughs> it, it needs to be acknowledged. We can call it half a percent if we want, but it needs to be acknowledged that there's one universe out of the millions that uh, Kyle Shanahan does that.
2: There's also a universe that the Jets take Justin Fields. That, like, mean, I know,
1: oh, man, that's a great point. Oh, man. Not, okay. So we can't rule out
2: Zach Wilson entirely. I'm redoing my pie chart.
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, you're everybody you're thinks the Jets, Jets up, are
4: taking yeah, Zach Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> You can hear him tearing paper. Like
1: <laughs> yeah, it's possible. That's a great Every, exercise. That's fun. I'm gonna do that. I think daily because I'm certain the pie chart's gonna change daily.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, I think there's a chance. Every you know, Steve Young said that the Jets are recruiting um, Zach Wilson's family, but you know, like there there's a chance that Justin Fields goes to New York. I could I could I could see the case for Zach Wilson being behind Justin Fields for sure. And I could even see the case for somebody liking Trey Lance more um, than Zach Wilson. And, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, talking to JT O'Sullivan um, for a story I wrote and he basically said like, well, he kind of came out of nowhere and you do have to wonder like, is this trajectory sustainable or was it just kind of a one year thing? And mm-hmm. is he going to hit the skids a little bit? when you get him in a situation where he has to deal with pass rush and he's not playing against, um, you know, the the weak schedule that BYU had. And I know Trey Lance didn't play a great schedule either. I know that. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot – you can make a very compelling case for Justin Fields over Zach Wilson. And I do wonder if the Jets are – if there's anybody in that building making that case. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all, particularly given, you know, Justin Fields went to – one of the two or three biggest programs you could go to played in a lot of high profile games. maybe he's a better fit for New York than a guy who grew up in you know Utah.
1: I believe Draper is the name of the the town he's from yeah the yeah. the thing with the thing with Zach Wilson though is the, the big thing with him is his off his off platform throws and his different arm angles and his his big arm. And I think in this, you know, copycat NFL, people want the next Patrick Mahomes. And I think when you watch his ability to throw from different weird angles and and all that, I think you could see a team getting infatuated with that by thinking they're getting the next Patrick Mahomes. Totally.
2: Um, also,
1: he's minus 2,500 to go second. I think he's going to be the pick.
4: Yeah, I just, yeah. I just want, I'm not sure if y'all are even able to do it, but I, I wanted y'all to at me. About McCorkle on Twitter, but I don't know if y'all even able to do that because that may seem disrespectful.
1: Drop your, uh, drop your. No, oh, oh, it's, oh, it's I there. Love... I'm on his page right now.
4: Okay. And
1: <laughs> the, all day is my new favorite 49ers. <laughs> I love that take.
4: McCorkle, um, yeah, yeah. That, that was just my thing when I, when I could, I couldn't call him. It, well, it, it, like I said, it wasn't until they said he was gonna be a 49 I said I can't call him that word. He's not that word. He's McCorkle, <laughs> and I'm fine with that. I'm not disrespecting him. That's his name. That's what his name is. He's not going to be Mac. I slip up every now and then, but that's my But I appreciate y'all, man. Appreciate who's your Who's your
2: favorite, favorite Mac?
4: Uh, probably, probably Mac Ten. <laughs> really? Okay, <laughs> Okay. Well, so we're Mac different. 10.
2: Yeah, I'm. I I, I grew up, right, in high school when I was listening. I was like the peak of Mac Dre, and Mac Mall. Oh, and yeah, all those yeah, guys. yeah. So, um, yeah, good stuff though. I I love that. Okay. Hey, thanks man. really I'm appreciate ready. that you got you guys be well um, sure. yeah, I think that's it. I think that was a good a good pod. We're at well over an hour here um so Kyle, we have plans next week. Should we discuss those off air?
1: Yeah, no, we'll discuss those off air. We don't need to try and produce live, especially when i'm uh not ready <laughs>
2: okay um yeah, we'll be back next week we're We're planning hoping f- crossing our fingers that we're gonna be able to get some more guests. Um, so if we do get guests, we'll have an episode with the guests, and then we'll do another uh, a locker room later in the week. And, um, yeah, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. I think 44 people are in right now, and I think that's the most we've had, so that's dope. Thanks, guys, for hanging out. And, um, yeah, we will talk to you guys later on, and uh, we will have more draft takes. Or maybe we'll just keep talking in circles about how we think this Mac Jones stuff is crazy. But either way, we'll figure it out. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. See you guys later.
4: Thanks, y'all.